podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Chairman Mao, Jamie Howe, Ho Chi Minh, Asif Din, Vaslav Havel, Graham Savel, No Surrender, Percy Fender, Guerrilla Cricket. Good morning, good afternoon, good dawn, good dusk, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Gorilla Cricket. I'm Gorilla Hendo, Nigel Henderson, and our special guest today is a man who has played with and against some of the greatest names in the game. In an all-too-brief international career at the start of the century, he scored 100 against England in Mahali, opening for a team with a quite awesome middle order of Dravid, Tendulkar, Ganguly and Laxman. Uh, Wicketkeeper batsman in 2005, he took over Bengal's captaincy in the Ranji Trophy, leading them to a runners-up position in successive seasons. Now a commentator who can be heard on the Hindi and Bengali and English language versions of the IPL. He's also a highly respected coach. Uh, welcome to Gorilla Cricket. Deep, it's great to have you with us. How are you? Thank you so very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, good to have you. Now, you know, we, we're pretty frustrated over here about what's happening with our cricket season. Uh, we've had no yeah. uh, cricket so far this summer. But in a nation yeah. like India, which is so cricket crazy, how on earth is the population coping? Or, or, or is cricket being put to the back of people's mind because of COVID? Uh, <laughs> fair enough. But uh, it, it's, it's crazy here because this is usually would be your IPL season. I mean, it would be over by now. Mm. Uh, but it would usually be IPL season. And this is the time of the year where uh, nothing happens apart from IPL these two, uh, two months. I mean, you know, April, May, a bit of June at times. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, highlights have been shown and the numbers I gathered for the highlights are pretty good as well. I mean, so people are still watching cricket, even if, if it's hits. Uh, and there's been a lot of, uh, you know, Insta lives and shows like that, you know, recorded and all. Uh, so people are still, a lot of people actually, every time I, I speak to someone, they're like, okay, when are we seeing live cricket again? So, so people are actually waiting for, for live cricket to start. And, but has it, has, um, do we think that COVID has passed its peak or is it still on the way up in India? Unfortunately, I think it's, it's on its way up as of now. I think mm. the month of June is going to be very, very critical because uh, the lockdown kind of opened the first week of June. So, you know, people are starting to go back uh, to their workplaces and all. Expecting a little uh, spike uh, in, in, uh, uh, in, in the number of cases in mm. this month. But hopefully by the end of this month or beginning of July, there'll be uh, some flattening of that curve. Right. But what, what are you hearing? I mean, you're close to the game. As we said, you're an IPL commentator. What are you hearing about the possibility of it being played at all this year? Um, I understand uh, Ganguly sent a letter to state associ associations yesterday talking about it might be played in empty stadiums. Is, is that realistic? I think that is very realistic. Uh, if, if you look at uh, the situation right now, I don't see crowd in the stadium for the next eight, to eight, eight months to a year now. Right. I think that's the new rea uh, reality that we have to live with, uh, you know, in stadiums. Uh, yeah, we can come up with uh, options like, you know, uh, uh, ambience through the PA system or cutouts or Zooms or, you know, LCD TVs. But I don't see crowd at the stadium for a while now till we have vaccines and a uh, major part of the population is vaccinated. Uh, as far as the IPL is concerned, I think it's still a possibility uh, because uh, I remember way, way back in 2009-10, if I'm not wrong, uh, there was an IPL which lasted for 36 odd days, 36 or 38, if I'm not wrong. All right. uh, so uh, I think there can be a window created because already uh, BCCI has cancelled uh, the Sri Lanka and the Zimbabwe tour. So that opens up a window, uh, a little bit of a win like September end-ish. Right? Now, October last week was, uh, the, uh, still is rather, 
is the World Cup still scheduled, right? Yeah. So you still have a window, even if the World Cup's not cancelled or postponed for that matter, you still might end up getting a window of a, of, of a month or a little over a, uh, over a month. What would you say? Would, would Indian um, fans uh, like more to see an IPL without crowds or India going and perhaps winning the World T20 in Australia? If you had to choose, I mean, often people say to us, us in England, would you rather win the World Cup or win the Ashes? What would uh, uh, people in India generally say about that? So what would you say, the Ashes? Well, we said the Ashes, but then we also wanted the World Cup. So it's kind of, you know, we sort of, we sort of stood on the fence about with that one, really, uh, in the end. So after we'd, won, after we'd won the World Cup, well, of course, when they suddenly thought, yeah, we want to win the Ashes as well. Fair enough. Uh, but having said that, I, I guess if you can guarantee that India is going to win the World Cup, then I guess the World Cup. But I guess there are no guarantees that way. So uh, IPL is something, uh, listen, I, I, IPL is a little more than cricket. It's just about cricket. It's cricketainment. Uh, it's an in- uh, industry in itself. Uh, we tend to kind of look at sports from only a sports perspective. And I think that's a little myopic if you look at through uh, the prism of only sports. Because sports like EPL uh, in England, I mean, or not just England, world over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's an industry in itself. So I, I, I think you've got to look at cricket and IPL as industries in itself because it has its own ecosystem. And I think... Uh, uh, yeah, if, if you guarantee that uh, uh, that India is going to win the World Cup, then that World Cup. But otherwise, but having said that, you know what? I don't think that's a uh, that's the choice that uh, one needs to make at this point in time. I think both of them, as of now, are still possible. If we can ride over this wave here in India, month of June, as I as I reckon, and most of uh, the people I've spoken to reckon, uh, if we can ride that wave and and be all right by end of July, then you know maybe September end, October first week. Uh, you can have something, uh, you know, some cricket played here. It's interesting you talk about it as being an industry. I mean, I understand that that if if it didn't go ahead, the IPL, uh, the BCCI would lose something like five hundred and thirty million dollars in terms of um, uh, revenue. And I mean, that's 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 a huge amount of money, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it might be more than that. It mm. might just be more than that because you you add the sponsors, the central sponsors, you add the obviously the uh, the rights money and all that. So, I, I mean, there are some numbers which are floating around uh, to the tune of a billion, actually. Right, you know, okay. Uh, in terms wow. of uh, rupees would be 7,000 crores or a billion dollars. Uh, I, I, I don't know about the figures, but yeah, it's a huge amount there. But the other important thing is uh, what people don't really realize is the other industries which are connected, the ecosystem that I was right. talking about. You have the yeah. hotel industry, the, the airline industry, the hospitality and uh, the events and everything else so mm. i mean it's it's a it's a huge thing from that perspective it's not just about uh, the bcci it's mm. it's about all the allied industries as well yeah that's a very good point um, i suppose the other the other um, thought is that it might be moved to another country i think i saw that being talked about yesterday and of course th- there has been a president of that hasn't there because we had i think it was mm. ipl2 was in south africa in 2009 how was that for indian fans did it matter that they weren't going to the grounds or weren't be able to pack out the grounds is that something that really um, upsets them uh it it does to to, to a certain uh, uh population part of the population but end of the day i think ipl or 20 t20 per se uh is 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 also a very uh television friendly format mm. you know uh, and and i think you uh, I mean, there is a huge, huge uh, population who love to watch it on the television, T20s, uh, because of the broadcasting uh, quality, uh, everything else which comes along with watching it on television or any other, uh, even digital platform and everything else. So, uh, yes, while 
you might want to actually go and experience that because in itself it's a huge i mean it's a fantastic experience uh, watching it live uh, in a stadium but you wouldn't mind watching it on television either if you have that uh, chance yeah no absolutely um, let's let's move on from the ipl a little bit and let's talk about uh, you a bit more and your starting cricket and i noticed on your website that you say you really had to work hard for your success um it's it's an interesting thing for for english fans we know what the the general uh, pathway is now to the England team as it was, or even to one of the first-class counties. Yeah. Uh, what is it like for a young Indian uh, promising cricketer? How difficult is it for them to make their mark? And how difficult was it for you, really? Uh, well, I'll, I'll be honest. I've never been, and I, I, I don't think I've ever been the most talented uh, individual in any playing eleven that I've played. <laughs> right. uh, so, obviously, had to uh, slog it a little more. So, But I, what, what I really tried to do was be the most hardworking in any team that I was part of. Uh, and because that's the only way I knew how to how to do it. Uh, the other thing uh, you mentioned about the system, I think the good part about uh, like England and like Australia, the, the system itself is very robust. You know, that's the reason you don't see big transition periods when a generation leaves and a new generation comes in, right? So that's that's one of the very very important reasons why uh, why a country like India has maintained its position off and on at top of the table. Uh, so I think from that perspective, so it's it's like a very filtered and and robust system. On top of that, there are certain filters which come naturally uh, for a country like India, a, a, a populated country like India with 1.3 billion. Obviously, competition because as far as sport is concerned, you know, out uh, of five sports, it'll be one, two, three, four would be cricket, and then maybe a tennis or a badminton or something else, right? So everyone wants to play for for uh, cricket for the country. So competition-wise, yes, then obviously with competition comes a lot of things like selection because it's a team sport as well, right? It's something that you have to be selected uh, to play. So uh, so that brings its own dynamics, you know, selection, selectors, things like that. So there are certain filters which are planned and there are a lot of unplanned filters as well, which a country like India would uh, would understandably have and, and, and they have it. So it is that way tough because obviously you you go through these the age groups like 16, 19 and all that. Apart from that, uh, you do all the, a lot of these hurdles where you know selectors might not. Uh, I mean, a, a particular selector might not like you because you didn't say good morning to him. Right. You, yes. know, the, <laughs> you know there are things. I mean, I mean there are personal liking and dislikings as well. And, yeah. and so you know there there are these uh, these these hurdles that. I guess almost every team sport might have, you know, the coach might not like you or some selector might not like you, some administrator might not like you. Uh, so I, I, I guess it's that way it's tough. I'm predominantly because of, of the competition that we have. Well, we always see that, you know, whenever we see pictures from Mumbai or somewhere like that, we see people on the maiden, there are all these games going on. But how is it for someone who's playing in one of those games, perhaps to actually force themselves forward unless they perhaps go to the is it is it as much as going to the right school or being involved with the right club um how difficult is it with someone you know at the lower strata of of society to, to make make their way is it very very difficult i imagine i i don't think it's it's difficult uh in terms of your economic background because i think one of the most uh uh equal uh, playing field that you have would be the sport uh, you know, so I don't think uh, economic background, social economic background or any other for that matter, I think would matter that much. Uh, but, you know, like I said, the system is very nice uh, in terms of you start off at a, at a club level or an academy that you practice uh, from the academies. There is in, I'm talking about spe- uh, specifically about Calcutta or Bengalia. 
So from academies, there's a lot of inter-academy tournaments. From there, you play uh, Division One or Division Two cricket. Uh, from there, you get selected to your age group cricket, which will represent your, your state. So under 16, 19. Uh, and then from there, there's an under 23. And then there's the senior uh, first class cricket or senior uh, state cricket. So I think uh, that way it's very well structured. Uh, but yeah, the process can be tough. Like I said, depending, uh, you've got to make some very, very important choices, as you mentioned, playing for the right academy, playing for the right clubs, uh, making sure uh, you you bowl or you get to bat where you want to or your, 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 your stronger suits are. Uh, you need people to kind of... Uh, uh, look at you because a lot of time what happens is they're good batsmen but they never get the opportunity to bat in the top three right hence they don't get enough runs and because of that doesn't get noticed so mm. you know things like that keep happening all the time but that's the reason i think uh, even though it's structured but as an individual you got to be very very smart in uh, making those choices well going back to that uh, that time when you you uh, got forced your way into the the test side how, how was it for you to, to be opening the batting? You're a wicketkeeper, as we know, and opening the batting. And you've got that middle order lineup behind you. I mean, were you overawed in any way? Or we, had you, had you um, sort of had enough uh, contact with them before to actually uh, slip into that situation quite comfortably? So, uh, interesting. This is, this is pre-IPL period, right? Mm, so, yeah. the difference between domestic cricket and international cricket is huge. We all know that, right? Yeah. The rest of which country you're playing. Uh, but pre-IPL, uh, the situation was a little different because uh, obviously because of the national scheduling and stuff, uh, most of these people would not get the time to play domestic cricket. Right. So uh, before playing for the country, I had played maybe Srinath once, uh, Zaheer once, Ashish once, Anil once, Haji, everyone once maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, played against Sachin once, Rahul yeah. maybe a couple of times. Uh, but, I mean, now, because of IPL, you get a taste of international cricket even before you play international right, cricket. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. You, you know what it's like. But at that point, point in time, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I, I was awestruck when I first got into that dressing room. I mean, you're looking at Sachin, Rahul, Saurav, because uh, I had played a couple of games and had shared the dressing room. So, I knew him a little better than the others. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, from that perspective, it was. But uh, I think, uh, one of the things that I, I actually have to mention is we all know you, the names that you mentioned, Anil, Srinath, and obviously the top four uh, uh, batsmen in the middle order. They're all great batsmen, but what I think are they're better beings than, than cricketers. You know, so, so I mean, I, I had some awesome time with them. They were very, very accepting of, of any newcomers, not just me. Uh, very open about it. Uh, they, would, they, they were very adjusting as well. So, uh, I, I think uh, I didn't have too much of a problem. Yes, initially, the first couple of days, it's like, yeah, oh my God, it's such in there and it's sort of there and all that. But yeah, after a couple of days, because uh, one of the first, I think it was the first day we landed in South Africa and, and one of the first things that happened to me was Srinath said, you know, what are you doing for dinner? Let's go out for dinner. So, Anil, Srinath, we all went out for dinner. Right. And yeah, I mean, that was a nice breaker of sorts and was brilliant after that. I suppose you have to have a sort of a, a, a deep inner confidence. Is, is, is that something you would say you had, even if you think to yourself, I'm not the most talented um, individual yeah. and, and I'm with these incredibly talented individuals, but you, you've got to have a sort of deep, deep well of confidence, really. Yeah, I, I actually did. I, I actually did. I think one of the most important things, uh, uh, which I'm sure you heard before as well, I mean, uh, uh, 
to sustain yourself or stay there for longer periods at international cricket, yes, your talent is important. It's but how strong you are mentally, I think that makes a huge difference. You know, uh, one of the things I I think I didn't cope up really well with was the criticism. That's something that you know a lot of people uh, are not uh, are, are are not kind of uh, do you know criticism or or being told or whatever. So I think uh, those things you you learn and uh, but the, the 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 confidence part as you mentioned. I mean, obviously, once you're there in that dressing room, and what helps is. Uh, I mean, my first test, I got 30 odd runs, right? And straight away, that gave you that confidence. Right. You know, that, you know what, it's all right. And the first over or so, it was like, oh, you're playing Sean Pollock. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Whether I can survive or not? And then you survive the first over, then you say, you know what, I think I can survive. And then you score a few runs, then you start thinking, you know what, I think I can score runs as well. So I think that, that happens there. To a certain extent. Is, that, is it the first thing of actually just feeling the ball in the middle of the bat? Is that the thing that suddenly gives you that bit of confidence? Yeah, I, I remember my first scoring shot was a cracker of an on-drive to Makai and Antini. And I'll be very honest, I was, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a good length ball. I knew Makai and Antini's action was coming back into you, right? I was actually trying to protect my jewels. <laughs> but I couldn't believe myself how well I timed that shot. I was like, oh my God, that was a good shot. Well, <laughs> you know? it's, it's interesting. Actually, it's interesting. I mean, I played at a much, obviously a much, much lower level, but there are, there are a couple of times you can think back into your playing uh, life and you've no idea how you played the great shot that you played. <laughs> just, and it, and I, it's kind of nice to hear that that comes in at the top level as well. It's just it's something clicked. I mean, that was my first scoring shot in international cricket. I was like, wow. And honest to God, I mean, it, it it was one of the best shots I've played at that level. So, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of gives you confidence as well that, you know, you, you can score run. So, yeah, so step by step, I, I went up there, yeah. Now let's talk about then uh, the match against England in Mahali and uh, you got your 100 um, there. What, what do you remember in particular about that game? Uh, I, I think I, I remember the, the, the test match before that which was the second one of the South Africa series. I had a, I played a really good knock. I, I mean, we had to bat through the last day of the test match to save the test match, which uh, Rahul and I batted through almost the whole day and we saved that test match. So I think I was carrying that uh, one, that confidence into that test match. Mm. Secondly, also, you know, at times you're in a zone where nothing else matters. So I was kind of those three, four months I was in, a, in that zone where you know, I, I wasn't, I, I was like in a trance kind of a thing. I was just going through the motion and, and not really thinking too much. Uh, one of the things that Rahul told me while we were in that, uh, the previous test match was, you know, take one ball at a time, one over at a time, just try and play out a session. And uh, that's all I actually tried to do uh, during that first test at Mohali. Uh, Mohali back then was was spicier, the pitch there. Right. Uh, and and yeah, all I, I all I tried to do was just take one over at a time. Then you know maybe uh, half a session, like go till the drinks. Then from drinks uh, to the to the end of the session. And uh, th- I mean, if you look at the number of balls I played, I think I played the whole day, maybe more than a day. So I wasn't too worried about scoring runs. I was like, you know what, I just want the batters need to be out here. And what do you feel? What's the, I mean, you know, for for those of us who haven't had got to experience this uh, this amazing feeling getting to three figures in a test match and quite early in your test career. Um, and obviously we didn't know how long that was going to go on, but yeah. what was that feeling like getting those three figures? 
Oh, that was phenomenal, actually. I mean, phenomenal in the sense you, you have that sense of belonging because, I mean, any team that you enter, one of the first things that you, that you want is, uh, you know, the acceptance and acknowledgement from your peers, right? Yeah. And obviously, I got a, a lot of that from the previous innings that I played. But once you get that 100, that's like if you're playing in a team as a batsman, wicketkeeper, that's one of the boxes that you want to tick as a batsman, you know, yeah. uh, getting 100. You know, so I think that was a that was a huge thing, and and also getting a hundred. Not too many wickets have done that for India in Test match cricket. So uh, then you start. You know, all my life, what I did was I I would as I, as I mentioned, I would take one step at a time. So when I was first picked for the zone, I yeah. started thinking, you know what, I'm one of the top eight wicketkeeper batsmen in the country. Then when I was picked for the next level, I was like you know I'm one of the you know top one uh, uh, top wicketkeeper out, uh, out of the four in the country. Because we were picked for a camp, there were only four wicket keepers in that camp. So, and then when I got that hand, was like, you know what? Not too many wicket keepers have got hundreds, so I'm making a name for myself. Right. Uh, so I think uh, those things started sinking in, and then I said, obviously that confidence level started going up. Saying, you know, I, I think I can because a lot of people, a lot of my teammates said, you know what? You you keep going this way, you you will be around for a while. Mm. And uh, yeah, and and that's that's something that give me a lot of confidence well it's interesting you you, you touch on um being you know one of the eight best wicketkeeper batsmen in in the country um we've obviously had a discussion or we've often had a discussion in this country about how difficult it is to open in a test match and also keep wicket i mean how was that for you that must that that's a hell of a lot of responsibility when you first come into a side uh it was and i think I, I was asked if I would open in the second test match because the first test match in South Africa, Rahul opened. And in yeah. the second, Rahul was like, you know what, I want to I want to bat at, in, uh, at number three. That's my position. Uh, and then uh, before the second test match, I think eve of the second test match, Saurav asked me if you want to open. I was like, listen, I can bat anywhere as long as I'm playing. I'm, I'm ready to bat anywhere. He said, okay, then, you know, open. Because I, in, in the first test match, I had actually batted uh, against the second new ball and I did all right. Uh, so they they saw that and me I go I said yeah I mean as long as I'm playing I wouldn't mind batting anyway so I opened uh, you know uh, how I see it is if you are physically uh, physically strong and mentally strong mm. then it then the the other aspect becomes a little easier because as a wicketkeeper if I've kept wickets on a surface for 80 overs I know that surface better than anyone else right. you know, the bounds the turn. Uh, the pace of the pitch, I know it better than anyone else. It's just the, the problem is whether physically am I fatigued, mentally whether I'm fatigued or not. So, yeah, if you, because I only, my career was only two, three years. Mm. Maybe if, if I played longer, I would have had to take it. I mean, I had to choose then, like someone like Sangha did. You know, he uh, he chose to back top order and leave wicket keeping. Yeah. So I think uh, in, in the long run, uh, it becomes very difficult. But yeah, for a couple of seasons or two, three years, I think it's it's doable. And especially if you're in your early 20s. Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. Um, I mean, you went on to captain um, ben, ben Gaul, and I'm not quite sure without looking through the um, all the uh, uh, previous scorecards. Were you doing the three jobs then? Captaining, opening and keeping wicket? Uh, I, I, I actually was batting at number six. But right. then, you know, when Sora would be there, then uh, our, our middle order was packed. So we had to make pace at times. So I would open then. So for example, the second year, the finals I opened against Mumbai. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I was I was happy to kind of, I was more flexible in my approach, depending on what the team required. And because my philosophy is, listen, if I want 
somebody take the bullet for the side, I would be the first one to do it. You know, so if there was a situation where somebody had to kind of maybe call it sacrifice or whatever, I think I, I would want to be the first one to do it. And, and maybe that would set an example for the others. Uh, and what's it like then being, I suppose, captain of a team in which uh, Sarah Gunguli is playing after you've been used to him as, as, as a captain at international level? You know, my first game, the, the team sheet, I've got it framed because it said Deep Das Gupta captain and the second name is Saurav Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's for my, grand, for my grandchildren, actually. Yes, so. absolutely. Yes. Well, that's lovely. That's lovely. Um, let, let's move on and talk about um, Saurav Ganguly, who's relatively recently become the BCCI president. Um, I suppose with guerrilla cricket, we're always looking to expand the game. We're always talking about the, the game globally, something that our listeners and viewers are very, very interested in. Um, I think initially when uh, Ganguly took on the role, he's actually talking about India getting more of the money that's being generated because India does actually generate yeah. that, that revenue. Um, would that, in your view, does that harm the development of the game? I mean, is that, is that something that we should be resisting? Should we be trying to, to widen the boundaries a little bit? Uh, it is important to widen the boundaries. I think we need to figure out how. Because, mm. I mean, unlike a lot of sports, uh, we have three formats. Yeah. Right? We've got three formats and not just men. We've got women's cricket as well. So I think there are two aspects to this. One is obviously the financial side of it. And I was talking to one of the ICC people because this was... And I spoke to this gentleman around two years ago when uh, the number of teams that were playing the 50 over one day, I mean, the World Cup came down to yeah. 10. And there was a huge debate about whether it should come down and all that. And he said, listen, there are ways that we need to find out to, to kind of spread the game. Because unlike football, if you take football to a new country, FIFA makes money, yeah. right? But in cricket, when ICC takes sport to a different country, it's ICC who has to give the grant. So it's ICC losing money. So somewhere it needs to be compensated, right? So, you know, unlike other sports, it's the other way around. It's where ICC has to fund the new countries or the new teams or associate countries and all. So I think from that perspective, it's very, very important to keep in mind uh, of, of boards which actually can compensate for the growth of the sport to other countries. So I think there, there has to be a fine balance between, you know, making in the money, getting it commercially viable to spread this, the sport to other, uh, uh, other parts as well. Do you think, though, I mean, we, we, we've moved on a little bit from the notion of the big three from a couple of years ago when, you know, India, Australia and uh, England were accused of sort of creating, creating yeah. this cabal. Um, do you think that, um, that we can move on beyond that and, and, and absorb more, more teams into, into the game in general? I think we, we, we can. We definitely can. But again, we, like I said, we have to find a, the right balance between uh, generating uh, the, the finances to spread the sport. Mm. Uh, we need to figure out what's the right vehicle to spread the sport as well. In my opinion, I think women's cricket is the best vehicle to spread the sport. I mean, I, I don't think you find a better uh, vehicle than women's cricket right now. Right. You know, spread it I mean, beyond the Commonwealth countries. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I... I I honestly think there is, I mean, there, there has to be more countries involved. Mm. Uh, that's where I think when, when this whole test championship came in, I think it's a great idea. But I also believe that if there can be two tier test champions, you know, top mm -hmm. six in group one and the, the other six in group two, 
then what happens is the the other uh, sites like Afghanistan island they don't have to depend on the others you know they don't have to depend on the top 3 to you know when are, i mean when are you going to give us a series I suppose, I suppose there's that, but then there is also the notion that if they do get to play one of the big teams, financially that could be very important for them. Absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not denying that, and uh, I, I actually had a plan, or I still have a plan, where uh, you play ten test matches in a year mm. against a, a based on the TP, and then you add another two, three, because on an average, I mean, England definitely plays more test matches in a cricket season than anyone else around yeah. sixteen, seventeen. But yeah. on an average, every country plays around 13, 14 test matches. So you play 10 based on you know, the FTP and then you play 2-3 extra where you actually go on and, and kind of play against, let's say, the new and upcoming countries like Afghanistan or Ireland, uh, play a couple of test matches uh, and, and help them out as well. Because the other important thing is uh, test matches, one of the reasons I believe people are losing or, or, or test matches losing viewership is the position. There are too many uh, bilateral series where it's I mean, there's there's not too much of competition, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean, if if I give you a choice between uh, England, Australia, England, India, or let's say England, uh, Zimbabwe, you know. So, so for me, I think it's important to actually you play. I mean, the other sides play against the top three, four, five sides in the world, but it's also important that uh, you know you you keep the viewership alive and you keep uh, people following test cricket alive by making it more competitive well it's interesting i mean we we've we covered the uh, ireland's inaugural test against pakistan and we also um were involved in a, a game that nepal played at lords um and and it's good to see those those teams involved and, and especially nepal which has again just been granted back into the icc of course was had had some problems at one point yeah. i mean the love for cricket there is phenomenal absolutely absolutely yes and and that's where I think the other countries, rather than I mean, they can support countries like Nepal, uh, Nepal, Afghanistan, with with infrastructure, with sending in uh, you know cricketers uh, and coaches, uh, getting them to come over and play uh, against, let's say, the India side or the England side, the tour. Yeah. Because the idea is there's no point. I mean, once in a while you play uh, Nepal plays against England, it's fine. It looks very nice and all that. But actually, are they learning anything? I yeah. mean, listen, I mean, England scores 350 and they are, they're all out for 120, 130. They're not learning anything out of that. they rather play England A or, or maybe the England Lions, which you call uh, A side the Lions. They play the Lions and the, and the games are more competitive and they actually learn something. Uh, and that's how, how you improve a side. Not, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you put them, I mean, it, it looks nice. You're giving them grants and everything else, but mm. you don't want them to be on crutches all their lives. You know, yes. You've got to take the crutches away. And one of the ways you can take those crutches away is, is making them self-sufficient by, by helping them with the grassroots level and the infrastructure there. So that means maybe putting, putting uh, money into helping develop grounds and, and things like that, in, in, if you Absolutely. take Nepal, for an example. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, even in, in countries where um, the players are struggling to make a living, I suppose you talk about the West Indies coming over to England, but... Um, they're really not going to make a huge amount of money from that. I mean, is there a role for the ICC in, in uh, funding those um, countries which have, have, have slipped a little bit and need to be brought back up to, to a, a, a better level in some respects? Is there a role for the ICC in that? I think yes. I definitely think yes. Uh, ICC and through the ICC, uh, you know, uh, boards like BCCI, the Cricket Australia, ECB, 
I think obviously these three the, uh, three boards and, and also add uh, Cricket South Africa in there as well uh, uh, has to help. There's no two ways about it uh, because obviously look at Zimbabwe right now. Back when I, when I was playing international cricket, I played a series against them. They, they were a gun side. Yeah. You know, they were a yeah. really, really good side uh, early 2000s, late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, they've slipped from there and they slipped because again, I mean, they don't have that, that structure there. So, uh, one thing is obviously financially helping them and making them secure. And also, like I mentioned before, I mean, if, you, if you're giving money to someone, you also have to make sure that the money is spent the right way. Yeah. A lot yeah. of times I know money has been, been given to all uh, countries and associate countries and all, but maybe they're not used the way they should be. Yeah, there's always the, there's always a problem with with politics in cricket, isn't there? There, there, you know, the, the, it's about the who the people are involved in, and and what their own motivations for being involved are. I mean, it's 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 a controversial subject, I suppose, in some respects. But even more, perhaps, controversial this week was the uh, uh, comment by Darren Sammy about his experience in the IPL. And uh, you you obviously talk Hindi, and and there was this particular um, what he didn't know it was an insult at the time. He thought he was being called stallion. Uh, what what are your feelings about that? How did you feel about that? And, and how has that been um, how has that been seen in India? The, the fact that he came out with uh, those comments. Uh, I think uh, we realise that there is this this casual racism, so to say, in Southeast Asia, because there are a lot of things that we say which it's not. See how how the Western world looks racism is a little different from how maybe Asia or Southeast Asia looks at it. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and obviously it's, it's layered. It's not as, because our society is so layered. Uh, so it's like a country like India, they're like, you can actually find good six, seven countries within India. So yeah. obviously, I mean, uh, we're definitely not happy about it. It'll be justified by any stretch of imagination. But there's something that obviously everyone's looking inward now and needs to look inward and say, you know what, it's time to start looking at these casual words that we use, which might not be right. As far as Darren Sammy not knowing the meaning of it, uh, I'm not too sure about that. I saw a tweet, uh, he tweeted way back in 2014, wishing uh, someone happy birthday and he mentioned something. So I'm, I'm not too sure whether he did not know the meaning. Uh, I find that a little uh, strange, but, but again, not justifying uh, the use of the word. No he, he mentioned that word in a tweet to you, you're saying? Yeah, he, okay. he did that. He did that. I, I saw a tweet way back. I think I'll tell you the date. I think first November two thousand fourteen. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting to know. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's become a, a sort of a, a more high, pro, high profile situation. We've had um, various people in this country. Mark, um, Carberry, Michael Carberry, recently talking yes. to uh, one of the podcasts um, about um, the way that uh, black people are seen in cricket now. Uh, let's let's move on. From that um, to more pleasant so things in a way. One thing in, oh yes, of course. One thing. Hmm. I mean, I, I know. I mean, Mark Aubrey mentioned about it. Obviously, Dan Sammy mentioned about it. But yeah. I, I tell you what, India. At least I'm, I can speak for India. One of yeah. the most secular, equal places that you can find is the cricket field or the sports field. Right. You know. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, it's part of the society that, like, like I said, we are not, we are not happy about it, and it's time for us to kind of introspect. Okay, uh, let's let's talk about your coaching career because uh, that's uh, I think that's what you've embarked on a, a, a lot. Um, tell us a little bit about that and, and where you've been involved. Oh well, I've I've, I've been involved with the cricket edition of Bengal, which is the Bengal first class side as as a as a uh, consultant coach. 
uh, I've coached the India under 23 way back in 2013-14. Then the media career happened and then uh, because I've always been a passionate coach. I've, I've always been passionate about coaching because uh, I, I think it's it's fun. You you see a kid, you say something to a, to a kid and, and, you, and the kid starts doing well. Uh, the gratification is it's unbelievable. But so, but having said that, because of the media commitments and all, I can't give too much of time to coaching. So, so one of the reasons, that, one of the things that I've done in the last couple of months is uh, start my own website with online coaching called deepdasgupta.com, yeah. and it's open to everyone and anyone. So, it, it I don't have to be physically there. So, I could be doing an India England series. And in the evening, I can actually uh, look at the videos and 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 send my suggestions or advice through 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 online. It's just incredible, isn't it? Really, when you think of the technological advances, because you know the notion that when I was younger, that the idea that I could actually talk to uh, an ex-test uh, cricketer or um, get some coaching tips. You know, you might get that if you were lucky enough to sort of uh, there was some sort of open day at your county or something like that. But the yeah. notion that you could actually have that concentrated focus from you know, a world-class coach is an astonishing feeling. It is, it, it is, it, it is. And, and I, that's, see, what used to happen was a lot of people would send me uh, videos of their kids and all. I was like, you know, I would anyway send it back to them. But now, you know, I was working with a friend of mine who's based out of England, actually. And one of my first coaching experiences was in England. I got right. my, I got my badge from Middlesex, uh, my level ones uh, with Phil Nappett. Uh, right. He was the instructor there. Uh, and and my one of my first gigs was in England, uh, and uh, so this this software is like uh, you know uh, about video analysis, mm. right? So he's like you know I've come up with this, and I was thinking the last two months you know I can I can use that. So I started asking my friends or, or people who would send me videos like you know send me through this app or whatever, and and it it was fun, it was fun, it, uh, and, and and it was great actually. So I said okay, let's turn it into of that and then one thing led to the other and and now i have this website now it's almost like you're having the best best of both worlds here you you i was going to say to you media or coaching would you have to make at any point have to make a decision on that but it seems like you don't have to <laughs> i don't have to now i really don't have to choose now. <laughs> but does that mean does that mean that you are um i suppose holding back your ambitions in coaching i mean have you ever thought about going on to the you know the national level of being an india coach one day perhaps uh, I'm holding on to it. I'll be very honest because uh, one, I, I love my job uh, uh, as as a as a commentator because uh, you know that's the best job in the world. You all your all your life you've done is play the game. Now all you have to do is watch the game, talk about it, sit in an AC room. You don't have you don't even have to be outside, right? Yeah. You travel the world. You commentate with your your role models. Of, you're sitting there with Kapil Dev, Sunil Gavaskar, Sanjay Manjrekar, all these guys. Uh, and and having a ball of a time, Ian Bishop and all these guys and Nasser and all, uh, it's it's just unbelievable. Uh, but yes, coach, uh, coaching being my passion. The other important thing is if you take coaching seriously, uh, which I, I once I get into, obviously I would. Uh, you the the amount of the number of days that you have to stay away from home obviously increases. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and and having a young family, I've got two kids, fifteen and twelve. Uh, that at this point in time, that makes it a little more difficult. So. I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm trying to keep myself fit. Uh, maybe in four or five years' time and kids grow up a little bit more, then I'll, I'll get on the road. 
Uh, that's interesting you say about the fact that you you go around the world and you're on these different grounds. Of course, if you know guerrilla cricket, we basically sit in a room in southeast London and watch the telly. Every now and again, they let us out. Um, but absolutely, I know what you mean. That, that fi- the feeling that we had when we were covering the Ireland-Pakistan test from the ground. I mean, it's just beautiful, isn't it? Being there at sort of eight o'clock in the morning and, and just sort of seeing oh, yes. the players practice or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, just go out there on the field, just look at the pitch and the players warming up and all. That's a different feel. And that's why I'm saying, I mean, I, I mean, as a commentator, we've, we've got the best job in the world, to be honest. I mean, can't get better than this. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned Nasser Hussain, and we covered a game two years ago. I think it was uh, for Hurricane Relief, the West Indies T20 um, at Lords. And uh, Nasser Hussain, that was one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. He basically commentated from the middle. Uh, so he would be almost fielding at third slip while, with a microphone in his hands. I mean, is that, is that going yeah. a bit far? I, I'm one of those people who's a bit of a tradi- traditionalist, and I don't, I don't really like interviews with players halfway through the game or talking to them like they do in, the, in, in some of the T20 tournaments. Um, do you think that's going too far or do you think that's more, more of, helps more engagement, really? Uh, I think, we, like I said, we are lucky to have three different formats. So you always have T20, which is more viewer-friendly and broadcast-friendly and, and you can try out few things there. And I'm with you as far as Test Match Cricket is. Listen, you've got one-day cricket, you've got T20, do whatever, don't touch Test Match I mean, I'm a purist from that perspective. Like Test match cricket, let be. I mean, that's one thing that we've got as sank to sank. Don't touch that. You do whatever with T20. I'm more than happy. But something that uh, that you mentioned, uh, something that I, I thought would always be a good idea, is the communication between the coach and the captain. Right. I think that's something. I, I know um, it was tried by Bob Wilmer back in I think late 90s, early 2000, uh, with Hansi Kronia as the coach. I I think that that makes sense. You know, I think. Coaches need to be a little more hands-on. Uh, cricket is a very, very captain-oriented uh, uh, or captain-focused game. I think coach needs to to kind of get into the picture a little more, especially in T20. I mean, T20 coaches don't really have too much of a role apart from organizing net sessions and practice sessions. So maybe uh, you know, uh, put a put a put a mic and a earphone uh, to the. I mean, and connect the captain and the coach uh, from the outside. Maybe that might help. I'm just wondering if there's one problem with that, of course, is in, in maybe not so much in uh, T20s, but the, the notion of a coach being able to tell, say to his captain, you should review that. Uh, that that's the problem, isn't it, with, with yeah. regards to that? Yeah. <laughs> there's some, some sort of safeguards got to be put in to, to prevent that, hasn't it? Or is, 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 should that be allowed, really? Uh, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I mean, listen, you, you bring that down from 15 seconds to 10 seconds mm. and say, you can do it now. Yeah. You know, uh, you can. I mean... I mean, just make it tougher. Just yeah. make it tougher. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, you can think about it. See, I'm, I'm, like I said, I mean, as long as you don't touch the basics of Test Match Cricket, you can always introduce new things uh, and, and also make, make maybe Test Match Cricket a little more viewer-friendly uh, because as it is, it's, it's getting difficult, right? I mean, mm. nobody has very, very honest time to sit over for five days uh, from 11 to 6, 7 back in England or... or nine to five here in India. Uh, so, yeah, if, if some things can be introduced without touching the fundamentals, because, I mean, a couple of years ago, people started talking about, why don't we get rid of the toss? Mm. And I was like, listen, that's so fundamental about the sport. I mean, how can we get rid of the toss? I mean, add other things. Add like, okay, I mean, the, the team loses the toss, can, can, can make one change after the toss is done, you know, depending on whether you're batting or bowling first. I mean, 
don't don't play with the fundamentals is what i'm saying i mean there are some basic basic fundamentals about test match cricket and i'd say don't touch them yeah that's fine about test i mean we had the situation in england where they did uh, allow the away team in county cricket to uh, have first decision on on what they wanted to do um i don't know whether that was was the right one or or not i mean talking about um, fundamentals in cricket um the ball let's talk about the ball because i think you've been quite outspoken in regards to ball tampering um and 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 i think if i'm not wrong that you you think that should be allowed does that also become more important in this particular era where we have the threat of covid and we're not, we're not going to have saliva being put on the ball um subject of course to uh, run penalties and whatever um yeah. does that make that even more important more crucial i think it does and and when i say uh legalized ball tampering which you mentioning uh mm. i i'm not saying get uh stuff from the outside like you know bottle caps and stuff like that yeah i mean something like nails or something you know you can use nails uh, yeah. your own finger nails that is uh things like that i mean uh, you know your thumb and i mean because i i, I see it as an art to be honest right. i mean if if you can actually take off the upper layer with your finger nails i mean you've got to really strong nails and strong fingers to do that i mean that that for me is could be could be i mean is is as good as any art form uh, so things like that and and now especially now uh, i think they have to think about it i i mean the playing conditions which have recently come out i don't see a full stop after that i see a comma mm-hmm. i think as i mean it's it's theoretically all right but we need to find out if it's practical or not all those five changes that are coming in you might see a few more is what i reckon uh, see if you're playing in in england and you can't uh, use saliva i don't know i mean you take on the most important weapons out of their armory you know uh, and and you haven't given anything back to them my point yeah. is okay i understand i and i completely agree that at this point in time you you shouldn't allow saliva yeah. but you've got to give something back to them maybe use the ball uh, you can change the ball after 40 overs you get a new right. ball after 40 overs or you can use vaseline or something like that uh uh you know you know something on those lines you've got to give something back to the bowlers if you've taken something as important as that and as basic as that yeah no, it's a, it's a very interesting point uh, let's just just wrap up um by talking about the, the, what's going to happen in the next few months i mean well we we've obviously getting quite excited here because we've got the potential of the england west indies series and then perhaps england pakistan to come after that um because of the lack of cricket of the live cricket or cricket that's being played at the moment in india is there going to be an extra focus on watching that england india uh, england west indies series do you think absolutely absolutely yes because uh, the the timing is also spot on if you look at i mean 11 am start there back in england it yeah. would be uh, 3:30 here in india and that's like bang uh, uh, in into your time so yes i mean no live cricket for 3 months everyone's waiting for it and and also to 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 look at how with with these new conditions playing conditions and 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 how how i mean the players cope up with it i mean how do uh, do, do things change for example you can't allow i mean you can't apply saliva but if somebody does by mistake you go to clean it how are you going to clean it you can't clean it with a towel right you're going to clean it with a disinfectant which maybe a sanitizer or something what's the effect of the sanitizer on the ball? You know, how is that going to be? Now, that is an interesting idea in, co- in COVID land, isn't it? Having the notion of putting hand sanitizer on the ball. Yeah. So you, you're talking about, I can't imagine somebody spraying the ball and then, then you never know. I mean, if, if somebody, I mean, somebody realizes that using a sanitizer actually helps in reversing or something, then you don't mind giving away five runs, do you? 
with the ones that are reversing. So, I suppose, I suppose so, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would be, it'd be fascinating I'm, to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to looking at the, I mean, how, how uh, both these teams uh, go around you know, in these new playing conditions. Yeah, I mean, as, as an ex-player, and if you were playing now, I mean, how do you think you would feel? Would you feel, uh, we've got this, this idea of having now COVID substitutes, but if someone, if someone goes down with the illness or tests positive for the illness um, halfway through a game, or, you know, even a day or two into the game, is it right that you continue the game with a substitute? Isn't, isn't it, isn't, shouldn't everyone be immediately tested and perhaps the game brought to a halt? So there's this doctor who got in touch with me and he says, you know, the WHO protocol says that if somebody yeah. is, is, is found positive, then yeah. everyone who's come in touch with that person has to go into quarantine and need to get tested. Yeah. Uh, so I completely agree. I mean, I don't know that that's the reason I said theory. I mean, theoretically, everything sounds all right, but yeah. we need to see the practicality of, of all these pain conditions that has come out. Uh, the other thing I was talking to someone and someone's, uh, I mean, came up with this great idea. It's like, you know, why are we starting with the five, uh, I mean, a test match? Why not start with T20 and ODI? Mm. You know, because mm. it's comparatively, uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, over five days, you don't know. I mean, uh, uh, the uncertainties are little, I mean, in terms of bigger yeah. as compared to a three-hour game. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Maybe should have started with uh, with T20, but you know what? I'm not complaining as long as I see live cricket now. See, see some cricket. Uh, uh, well, it's been brilliant talking to you, Deep. Thanks very much for for, for giving us your time. Um, are, are you planning to come over to England at some point in the, the not too distant future? Uh, yes, I am actually. I've, I've got family there. I spend uh, a month and a half uh, almost every summer uh, back in back back in England. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this summer didn't work out. Uh, so let's see. I hope. I mean, definitely next summer. Fingers crossed. Uh, maybe before that as well. Brilliant. Okay, it's been fantastic to talk to you, Deep. Um, keep in contact with us. We'll we'll hopefully talk to you through Crick Tracker or, or various other things as well. And good luck for everything you're doing. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.